According to the glossary of the Episcopal Church, a deacon or the presider, if no deacon is present, ends the Eucharistic liturgy by dismissing the people. The term dismissal comes from the Latin ite misa est, which means go, it is the sending. The Episcopal Church allows the dismissal in Rite 1, but it requires it in Rite 2. There are four alternate texts. Let us go forth in the name of Christ, go in peace to love and serve the Lord, let us bless the Lord, and let us go forth into the world rejoicing in the power of the Spirit. And to each the people respond, thanks be to God. This is a quote. It is part of the deacon's angelic function. I just love that. Of exhorting and aiding the active participation of the people. And I have often taken a little good-natured ribbing at the enthusiasm with which I deliver that last dismissal option. And you've heard it. <laughs> it does make us feel good to leave church rejoicing, doesn't it? But what would it mean for us to leave church really filled with the power of the Spirit? In Luke's Gospel today, we see Jesus, filled with the power of the Spirit, headed to the synagogue to teach. The scroll from which he reads, Isaiah 61, expresses what the servant can and will do with the Spirit of the Lord upon him. And that Hebrew word for spirit is ruach, it's one of those really awesome mouthfeel words. Ruach. Paul's letter to the Corinthians also refers to this one spirit into which we were all baptized. But for Paul, it's the Greek word pneuma. Now, without getting too far out into the weeds, this concept of the Holy Spirit, this ruach, has many facets. Wind, breath, animating or sustaining force. We see it throughout the Bible, appearing hundreds of times in both the Hebrew Scriptures and the New Testament. But to me, the most important thing is that this Holy Spirit has existed from the very beginning. In Genesis chapter 1, verse 1 and 2, we read, In the beginning, when God created the heavens and the earth... The earth was a formless void and darkness swept over the face of the deep while a wind from God covered the waters. Yes, that wind or spirit from God is this same Ruach of which Isaiah speaks. It descended on Jesus at His baptism. It filled Him prior to His temptation in the desert. And it empowers him in the synagogue. In his book, Divine Teaching, Mark McIntosh writes that, according to Paul, 
the gifted, transforming communal life is in fact an ongoing, organic expression of Jesus' continuing life in the world, constantly being brought to life by the Spirit. The habits, virtues, and gifts of the Christian community are in some mysterious way animated by the same Spirit who animated and directed Jesus. And these communal habits and virtues that Macintosh refers to actually show up in next week's lectionary epistle reading in 1 Corinthians 13. And now faith, hope, and love abide, these three. And the greatest of these is love. So Macintosh interprets Paul's meaning by saying that when you see someone exhibiting these characteristics... You see someone whose life has begun to partake of Christ's way of being in the world. Someone whose way of thinking and acting and desiring is being inspired by the same Spirit who led Jesus toward the truth of himself and his relationship with the one he called Abba. So now let's think about the passage from Isaiah that Jesus chooses to read. Try to put yourself in the passage. The Spirit of the Lord is upon us. He has anointed us to bring good news to the poor. Now in Jesus' day, the poor were not only those in poverty, but also those who were politically powerless and who could only look to God for help. Today, for us, it is those people who are literally poor. But it's also those who are poor in spirit, who don't know the good news, who may be in despair, or who may have lost hope. He has sent us to proclaim release to the captives and to let the oppressed go free. At this point in Luke, Jesus establishes his ministry as one of freedom from bondage. And today we struggle and work and pray for the release of those still callously imprisoned at the border and those who are still in the 21st century oppressed based on race, gender, or status. He has sent us to proclaim recovery of sight to the blind. In Jesus' day, this meant those who were literally blind. They were the most vulnerable, the most helpless. For us, it means those who are still unbelievably blind to the needs of others or blind to the Christ in those who may be perceived as different. He has sent us to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Now this is a reference to the Jubilee year that happened about once a generation, every 49th year. And listen to this. It meant that all debts were canceled. Land was returned to its original owner or family. 
Slaves were freed. Prisoners were released. It was good news to many because it reestablished an equal footing by redistributing the wealth. Wouldn't that be a marvel today? Not likely. But still, we can work and pray for improved favor for all, not just a tacitly privileged few. So the Spirit of the Lord is upon us. But why us? Because we are the body of Christ. And as that body, we are part of the assurance of the gospel. We are in Christ already. Every hand, every ear, every eye, every foot, every head, every nose hair. We all have our gifts. We all have our job to do to keep the body healthy and moving. Sometimes that's easy. We're feeling strong. Everything is in good working order. And it's a pleasure to do our part. We are glad to help those in need. Evidence from last night. Other times it's not so easy. Maybe our spiritual arthritis acts up. Or we feel poorly ourselves and unable to do our part. We become the ones in need. That's when others in the body step up and help us. Let me give you an example. Earlier this month, in the days leading up to the general ordination exams, which I took, I must admit I was really very nervous. During the exams, I felt not only the pressure of time, but also of performance. Since then, or during the exams, well, since the exams, I've thought not too much about it. I'm trying not to think about it, but I have to admit I'm anxious to see the results. But throughout the whole process, people lifted me up. Greg was always making little inside GOE jokes to make me laugh and relax. And invariably, at the end of each day of testing, someone would text me or email me, offering encouragement for that portion complete. You're a third of the way there. You're two-thirds. Only one more day. You can do it. And since then, so many people have graciously assured me that they are confident that I have scored well. And I have only felt the presence of the Holy Spirit that strongly one other time. But I'm deeply grateful to those of you who supported me. Paul said, God has so arranged the body that there may be no dissension within the body, but the members may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer with it. If one member is honored, all rejoice together with it. As we move further into this new year, both the church year and the calendar year, let us open ourselves to the power of the Holy Spirit. Just as it moved over the waters at creation, 
just as it led and sustained Jesus through his life and trials, it will lead and sustain us too as we are about the work of the church here and in the world around us. And our participation in the repair of the world in even the smallest way furthers the assurance of the gospel. And that's good news. Amen.